From the very beginning of the gospel, there is this really, really central issue that comes up again and again and again, and it just jumps out if you ever get a chance to sit down and read the gospels from front to back. Central issue is this. This Jesus guy, who is he? And so Jesus, when he speaks with authority and he teaches, the question is, who is this that actually like, talks like he knows something and not like our other leaders? When Jesus goes and he heals, the question is, who is this who thinks he can heal on the Sabbath? When Jesus says to people, your sins are forgiven, go your way, the question is, who is this to say your sins are forgiven? That's not all. When Jesus commands even the weather, when Jesus even commands the weather, the question is, who is this who even the winds and the waves obey? Again, not done. When Jesus, when Jesus commands demons and spirits and he casts them out, the question is, who is this who can cast out and even demons and spirits obey? And then finally, at the end of all this, who is this? Who is this? Isn't this the son of Mary and Joseph the carpenter? Don't we know his human family? There's actually a really similar theme, too, if you read the New Testament about the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite moments in all of Paul's ministry is when he goes to Ephesus and he asks the disciples there, with which baptism have you been baptized? That's the question he's at. Were you baptized with John's baptism or were you baptized in the Spirit? And they respond, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. <laughs> It's funny, trust me. <laughs> it's a person of the Trinity, come on. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Totally clueless about something essential. Or how about on Pentecost, after the apostles begin to preach, and, and the crowd who is listening to their preaching, they all hear in their own language. The reaction, their first reaction is this, what's with these guys? They actually even say, are they filled with new wine? That is, are they drunk? <laughs> no, it's the Holy Spirit. But they can't get a clue, you know? Today, everyone, it's Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday, where the church holds up for us the central mystery from which everything else flows, everything else is connected to, the central mystery of our faith, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. The church's belief in the Trinity, it didn't come from a bunch of guys in this smoke-filled room talking and thinking and discussing and philosophizing. Okay, okay, God is one. That's simple. That's straightforward. People will buy that. That's good. But, uh, you know, let's spice it up, huh? How about also three? Yeah, that'll good. People can get into that, ask questions and stuff. No, it's nothing like that. And also, also, this belief did not come from some sort of like Albert Einstein of philosophy who, who came up with like these equa equations and had this insight into God all by himself. And then the church professes it for us to believe. No, this belief in the Trinity, it has a history and it comes from a concrete experience of God in action in the world, a concrete experience of God 
The question was, who is this guy? Well, clearly he's divine. What's happening here? Well, it's the, it's the Spirit, says Jesus. And after that encounter, that experience of a living true God active in the world and through reflection on the words and deeds of Jesus, we came up with a word, a word you can't even find in the, in the scriptures, Trinity. It took centuries, of course, of theological reflection on the scriptures to work out how do we actually like talk about this? How do we actually talk about this and explain it and understand it so that we don't mess it up? so that we can speak correctly about the mystery of God, three persons, one God. It did take time. And this is, there is this like beautiful reflection and clarity on this mystery, and there's all kinds of specifics that I would love nothing more than to get into. In fact, I would love just to snap my fingers, seminarians roll a chalkboard right here in the middle, and we could go through all kinds of things, and we could talk about nature versus personhood. We could talk about substantial relations, a personal favorite of mine. We could talk about processions, spiration, filiation, real relations, proper names, appropriated names, and on and on and on. That doesn't sound like fun, but trust me, it would be a blast. <laughs> There's all kinds of beautiful clarity and technical language around it, but it all really boils down to this. This guy that we have met is God. He speaks about his father who is God. And in fact, actually, sometimes that word God is even that helpful. So how about this? This guy is divine. This guy is divine. He speaks about his father who is also divine. And he also speaks about and sends upon us, and, and when we experience this, crazy things happen. He also speaks about the Spirit, who is also the divine. Father, who is divine. Son, who is divine. Spirit, who is divine. And yet their communion between them is so perfect. No division, no separation between them. That communion is so perfect that yet if I asked how many, the answer is one. What I think this shows everyone and what I'd like us to take away from it and leave you with is that this belief, this teaching, this mystery is not sterile. It is not abstract. And if somehow we present the mystery of the Trinity and the response is a shrug of the shoulders or I don't get it <laughs> or I don't get how this affects me, then either I haven't presented it well or we're not grasping the mystery. We often think about the mysteries of the passion, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and Pentecost, the whole cycle we've just celebrated. We often think about those things first and foremost, and we think about God's love for the world, and that's true and that's good. But the beauty of this mystery is that this isn't just about what God does, as beautiful as that is. This mystery speaks to us of who God is, his trinity. If you think about any relationship that you have, any close friendship, even a relationship with a spouse, certainly at some point there is some revelation between the, friendship, between the friends or between the spouses, something personal and intimate and private and something that you could not have found out any other way unless they told you. The mystery of the Trinity is nothing more or less than God revealing something personal, intimate, and private about himself 
something that we could not have guessed, something that we could not have known unless he told us. This mystery is about who God is. The oneness of God was suspected. You can figure out that there's only one God all kinds of ways. But this reality, this mystery, we only have access to because he told us. And by clinging to it, we cling to God in himself. And this is not sterile. This is not abstract. The secret of God that he's revealed to us is supremely relevant to our salvation. God has love for the world. He showed forth his love for the world in his son. And because of this innermost secret that he himself is love, love, not like L-U-V love, but love. His essence is Father who loves the Son and returns that perfect love who is the Spirit. And because he in himself is love, not L-U-V love, but love, communion of persons, because he in himself is love, therefore he has love to give to the world. He only has love to give to the world because he in himself is love. He is Trinity. Trinity.